Just think about seeing him for the first time. We've never seen him. Don't you know that'll be something? Look upon his face. See the one who loved us enough to care for us. Loved us when we were ungodly, unlovely. That one. We'll look upon him and see it one day. When the Lord's people all get gathered over there, we begin to talk to one another about things down here. That'll be a glorious time. You meet a fellow and say, Well, I don't believe I got your name he said well I'm Hosea haven't you read my book you better get acquainted with the books and the characters of the Bible it'll be a glorious time really will John chapter 21 very practical message this morning on loving the things that Jesus loved loving the things that Jesus loved. John chapter 21, verse 15. So when they had dined, this is after the resurrection, this is after they had gone back to fishing, they said, well, what's the use? Uh, the Lord's dead and been put in the ground and uh, we're going back fishing so they went back fishing and uh, the leader among them of course was Simon Peter and the Lord had cooked breakfast for them that morning on the seashore and he began to talk to them and it says in verse 15 when they had dined when they had finished eating Jesus saith to Simon Peter Peter, Simon, son of Jonas, lovest thou me more than these? Now remember, he had denied him three times. He saith unto him, Yea, Lord, thou knowest that I love thee. He saith unto him, Feed my lambs. He saith to him again the second time, Simon, son of Jonas, lovest thou me? He saith unto him, Yea, Lord, thou knowest that I love thee. He said unto him, Feed my sheep. He saith unto him the third time, Simon, son of Jonas, lovest thou me. Peter was grieved, because he saith unto him the third time, Lovest thou me. And he said unto him, Lord, thou knowest all things, and knowest that I love thee. Jesus said unto him, saith unto him, Feed my sheep. Three times he denied, now here is his commission three times. Three times he denied the Lord in the judgment hall. Now the Lord has met him after the resurrection, commissioned him three times. Feed my lambs, feed my sheep. <clears throat> Yeah. 
Simon Peter didn't quite reach the words that the Lord was using. And Jesus kept saying to him, to him, Do you love me more than anything else? And his love, the love that he was putting to him was high. Simon Peter kept coming up part of the way and he is saying, Lord, thou knowest that I love thee. Thou knowest. And the Lord asked him again, and he put that love up there again above everything else, above this world, above family, above friends, above all. Simon Peter never did reach him. He kept saying, Lord, I love thee with a human love. I love you with a human love. Oh, it's got to be more than that. And we are to love the things that Jesus loved. Dr. Frank Patterson tells about a young preacher. They went to pastor in a certain field and God blessed their union and a little precious little boy came into their home. And they loved that little boy. But it became sick and the little fellow was taken to heaven. And he said, as I went into that home, he said, they showed me little shoes. They had fixed and they were going to keep those little shoes. And they showed, a, showed him a little red wagon they were going to keep that. And they said, uh, we're not... We love these little shoes and red wagon not for themselves but because Robert loved them. Robert loved them. Then he made the application he was stating this that we ought to love the things that Jesus loved. If we love people we cannot help but love the things that they love. If we love Jesus, we'll love the things that he loved. And we'll give our lives to them. Our passage is telling of the occasion of the testing of Simon Peter. Lovest thou me? Finally he said, Lord, thou knowest. He said, look down in my heart. You know that I love you. <clears throat> I want you to turn with me now to some scriptures in Mark chapter 12. In the Gospel of Mark, chapter 12, verse 28. Well, the first thing I want you to know is that Jesus loved the Heavenly Father, and so should we. Mark 12 and verse 28. And one of the scribes came and having heard him reasoning together and perceiving that he had answered them well, asked him, which is the first, which is the first commandment of all? Jesus answered him, the first, the, the first of all the commandments is, hear, O Israel, the Lord our God is one Lord. And thou shalt love the Lord thy God with all thy heart and with all thy soul.
soul and with all thy mind and with all thy strength. This is the first commandment. What's he saying? He's saying we're to love the Heavenly Father. Jesus loved the Heavenly Father and we should. We should love him. We should love our God because he loved he loved us even before the foundation of the world. He set his love upon us and he set out in his purposes to bring us to salvation and we should love him for that. He chose us in love. Jesus loved him before the world began. He loved him when he said, let us make man. He loved him down through the ages of time. He loved him when he left heaven's glory and came into this world. Remember, he had never been separated from his father until he got to the cross. Don't you know those three hours of darkness was a terrible time? He'd always been by his father. <clears throat> he loved him yonder in the garden of Gethsemane when his heart was broken. It was crushed. The word Gethsemane means to crush, like crushing the grapes. Gethsemane. He loved him on the cross when he said, My God, my God, why hast thou forsaken me? He must have been homesick for heaven as you hear him praying in John 17. You read that sometime. John chapter 17, that's the high priestly prayer of Christ. <clears throat> Jesus loved the heavenly Father. Do you love him? How much do you love him? He said, Simon, son of Jonas, do you love me more than these? Do you love me more than these boats? These things that's occupying your time now? Do you love me more than these? How much do you love me? He loved us when he sent his Holy Spirit to convict us and to convince us and to convert us. He loved us. Bringing us to know him how much he loved us. Think of God and how much he loved us before we loved him. He thought about us. He had us. Did you know the first thoughts of God about you was long before you ever thought of him? He thought of you. Long before you thought of him. He knew on this rainy Sunday you'd be in this building here. There's nothing slips up on the blind side of God because there's no blind side. He knew you'd be exactly here on this given date. And with cords of love, he drawed 
has drawn you to himself. Scriptures tell us this, that no man can come to God except to be drawn of the Spirit. And the promptings in the heart and the influences by others around you and all of the things that take place in circumstances, everything takes place in your life, been driving you toward salvation. You see, that's what life is all about. Life is, is not just getting up in the morning and going through the routine of the day and coming back home and sleeping and eating and getting up and going through and, and all like this. Oh, there's more to life than that. There's God. Jesus loved the Heavenly Father. And we ought to be taken up with him too. It's a lifetime process. As you set out to know him and uh, to get acquainted with him. Oh, in the book of Job it says that you ought to get acquainted with the Almighty. Get acquainted with him. Jesus loved the Heavenly Father. We should too. Then look at Matthew chapter 4 and verse 4. Jesus loved the word of God and so should we. In Matthew 4 you have the what we call the temptation of Jesus. You'll notice in verse 1 it says then was Jesus led of the spirit into the wilderness to be tempted of the devil. He was led by the spirit <coughs> out there in the wilderness. Notice how, how he met Satan. In verse 4 it says, He answered and said unto him, It is written, Man shall not live by bread alone, but by every word that proceedeth out of the mouth of God. He met the devil with these words, It stands written. He said, Devil, it stands written in the Old Testament. And notice he's quoting from the book of Deuteronomy. That's Jesus' favorite book. That's the book he quotes from more than any other book. He answered and said, It is written, it stands written in the Bible. Man shall not live by bread alone, but by every word that proceedeth out of the mouth of God. He's hitting the devil with the sharpness of the word of God. Down in verse 7. Jesus said unto him, It is written again. Now the reason they don't refer to chapter and verse, there was no chapter and verse. See? That's put in so we can find it. But Jesus is referring to where it's written again, Thou shalt not tempt the Lord thy God. He's taken the word of God and the cutting edge of it and he's putting it to the devil. <laughs> he's meeting the devil with the word of God. Jesus loved the word of God. He reverenced that word. 
And what Bible did he have? He had, he had the Old Testament. He did not have the New Testament scriptures, but the Old Testament scriptures. He honored and he reverenced that word and he lifted it up. Above all that the books of that day he said it is written thou shalt not tempt the Lord thy God then in verse 10 then Jesus said unto him get thee hence Satan for it is written thou shalt worship the Lord thy God and him only shalt thou serve now Jesus loved the word of God he, he read it he quoted it. He preached it. He obeyed his precepts. <clears throat> now some will study the word of God just to argue about doctrine. They'll argue doctrine all day long. They wouldn't practice one for nothing. <clears throat> you know Jesus practiced the word of God. Right? This volume is the writing of the living God. Each letter is penned with all the almighty finger. Each word in it is dropped from eternal lips. Each sentence dictated by the Holy Spirit. I know folks, uh, they don't, you know the theologian, they don't like for to use the word dictated <laughs> when it comes to inspiration. Let me tell you something. Every word that is on this page, God put it there. God put it in. This is God's book. Jesus loved this book. He did. The Bible that men laugh at, and they say, well, it couldn't be that uh, Jonah uh, was swallowed by a whale, you know. And uh, you know what Jesus did? He said, as Jonah, three days and three nights in the whale's belly, so shall the Son of Man be in the heart of the earth. What was he doing? He was honoring the book of Jonah and raising it up. Men ridiculed it and laughed at it. He's raising it up and he's basing his whole ministry upon that part of the Word of God. By the way, who told us that somebody had to get up and measure the mouth of a, of a whale for us to believe the Word of God? That it had to be big enough to swallow a man. If this book had said that Jonas swallowed the whale, I'd believe that. I don't like this idea of, of so-called science coming in and, and uh, with their measuring sticks and saying, well, now, you know, the, we found the whale big enough, so therefore we believe the story. Listen, I resent that. I don't take my Bible and go down to the scientific library, uh, laboratories and try to tell them how to do that. Their business. And I'd say to them, they don't know anything about this either. That's right. 
in this age, men have given away to the fact, I mean preachers and others, that you got to get the approval of the God science in order to believe the Bible. Now listen, that's wrong. That's wrong. One of these days, science is going to catch up with this old book. <laughs> this book's far ahead of them. And I'll tell you that. Jesus loved the Word of God. We're not to tamper with it, this old book. I admire its authority, it says, Thus saith the Lord. I'm amazed at its truthfulness. When you open it, it pulls no punches and it gives you 16 ounces to the pound. Truth. Gets a hold of your heart. And then, I'm astonished at its theme, redemption. As you open the book in Genesis and begin to go through it, there's redemption. There's a red, there's a red, uh, line running all the way through it. Redemption. Redemption. And he picks up a man as he fits into redemption, carries him along, and then it drops him. Picks up another one as he fits into redemption, drops him, picks up another one. That's why it's not. it doesn't read like a storybook. It's a book of redemption. This book tells me of heaven to gain and hell to shun. We ought to sit out to read it and study it and mark it. Old Dr. N.A. Thompson was one of my teachers. Were you in his class, Paul? Dr. Thompson used to tell us, he said, now you read this book, you had to read it so many times, uh, 50 times one book in his class he said you do the other work you read 49 times you fail you did too you kept reading the book and reading the book he said what I want you to do is read the book and mark the book until it marks you at the time I was doing all that I thought boy this is a hard man <laughs> This morning I'm grateful for that. I'm grateful. I'll tell you the truth. You keep reading this book and it'll mark you. It will. It'll make marks upon you. You'll know where you came from and where you're going. <clears throat> Negro man who's looking after the freight on the railroad and he went down as, as a dog in this crate. And he had looked at it before. He was waiting to put it on the train. And he went back and looked at it. The dog had chewed up its tag. And just a piece of it sticking out of his mouth. The old nigger man looked at him and he said, Dog, he said, you done chewed up your tag and you don't know where you came from or where you're going. <laughs> but if you read the Bible, you'll know where you came from and where you're going. 
Here's something else. Jesus loved prayer, and so should we. Turn to Mark chapter 1, verse 35. Mark chapter 1, verse 35. It says, In the morning, rising up a great while before day, he went out and departed into a solitary place and there prayed. Jesus loved prayer and so should we. He was a man of prayer. As you follow the prayer life of, your, of the Lord and check his prayer life, he was continually in prayer. Often praying all night. It says before he chose his disciples, he went aside to pray. Oftentimes you read something like this, and you're coming through the Gospels, and you read something like this. The people went to their houses for the evening, for the night. Jesus went to the Mount of Olives. He went there to pray all night. He, he arose a great while before day to pray. Prayer life of Jesus is an example for us. Think of him. Sinless. No sin in him. Godly. God himself. Here he is. Praying. Praying. In constant communion with the Father. How many of the bitter <coughs> places of earth have been sweetened by prayer? The hard Climbs have been sweetened by prayer. Have you ever had your heart so burdened and so broken that you couldn't face another day, but you found a place of prayer and you found strength to make it? To make it, you found prayer is not just a duty, it's a privilege, it's also a necessity. The holier man is, the more value he places upon prayer. Here's something else. Short prayers in public will be long enough if they're preceded by long prayers in the closet. I remember Dr. Griffith Earl Griffith, one of our teachers, he was something when he conducted a chapel service and he called on a certain young preacher and he wanted, when he called on him, he'd just pray on and 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 never knew when to quit. Old Dr. Griffith called on him and when he sat down that time, called on him again. He got up and prayed a little bit, and it was a little shorter that time. When he sat down that time, he called on him again. When he got up, it was shorter that time. Dr. Richard said, Ives, you're caught up when you're on your praying. Stay caught up. <laughs> short prayer, long enough. Let me give you an example of a short prayer that was long enough. Simon Peter said, Lord, let me... Uh, 
let me come out of this boat and come to you and walk on the water. He stepped out of the boat. Let's don't criticize him too much. Most of us still in the boat. We haven't stepped out. He stepped out and began to walk on the water. But when he saw the waves and they heard the noise of the wind, he began to sink. Then he began to pray. And he said, Lord, I want you to bless all the folks around the world and the ones over in Africa and uh, and brother uh, and sister Reniger over in Italy. And uh, No, no. You know what he said? Lord, save me. He's going down the water. And the Lord lifted him up. When you really get down to business and pray it, you don't pray around the world. When the baby's sick and you've got to have help right then, you say, Lord, I've got to have help now. Right now. When there's a crisis, you get out of business. Short prayers are all right. Cut all the other stuff away. I tell you why it takes us so long to pray. We've got to get all this other stuff behind us so we can get to the place of communion with our God. Look at Luke chapter 4. Luke chapter 4 and verse 16. Jesus goes into the synagogue On the Lord's day, or on the Sabbath day, as was his custom, and of course we keep the Lord's day. Verse 16, And when he came to Nazareth, where he had been brought up, as his custom was, you see that? As his custom was, he went into the synagogue on the Sabbath day and stood up for to read. Then he begins to read, and he gives the first, message and application of his sermon and his first message is on divine election and they take up stones to throw at him well they still do that if you preach on election Jesus loved the Lord's day so should we he'd love to go to the house of the Lord on his day the Lord's Day. <clears throat> and so many in, in this day are disregarding that day. Do you know God's going to check us on this? He's going to check America on this. Now, that's right. The majority of people, professing Christians included, sacrifice Sunday upon the altar of the twin gods of profit and pleasure. If they're going to have any a great uh, super-duper something in the sports. When is it? Sunday. And they have everything else geared to that. Sunday. Sunday. Sunday nights become a time for television, not for church attendance. God's going to get us on that. God's going to check us on this. 
Lord's day is his day all day long. You might say that's the only day I've got. You don't have a day. That's God's day. It's not yours. It's set aside for rest and for worship. In Ephesians 5 and verse 25, Jesus loved the church and so should we. Ephesians 5.25 Husbands, love your wives, even as Christ also loved the church and gave himself for it, that he might sanctify, set it apart, cleanse it with the washing of the water by the word. Jesus loved the church, and so should we. He's the fountain and foundation of it. He directs its fellowship and function by the word of God. How can we help our church? Somebody said, what can I do to help my church? Number one, by attending its services. By attending its services. Be faithful and loyal to the Lord. One of these days, the paper will run the obituary of your life. They'll have your name, your age, your family members, your church membership, place of the borough, and perhaps a list of the pallbearers. All is to be recorded. But wait. Friends, look at your obituary. What will they see? Wouldn't it be great for them to see just one word? Faithful. Faithful. By attending its services, we can help our church. Second, by commending our church. By commending our church. You can commend your church. There's a unique ministry out here. Even if you do have to sit on these folding chairs. It's a unique ministry. That's right. Perhaps we've given you more truth than you'd receive in years and years. The average church in this little building. Now listen, I'm going to keep digging and I'm going to give you the best I can give you. Because I want you to have it. But I expect you now to be faithful to it. By attending, by commending, you can help your church. No church. It has the prettiest building in the world and the prettiest place to enter and the most beautiful and goes through the most rituals. If there's no reality, it has a hollow ring to it in its services. 
I wouldn't want to have a service in here without God being in here, would you? That makes a difference for God to be here. Here's something else. By extending your church, by attending it, by commending it, and by extending it, be a good witness for Jesus Christ. Tell someone else about what the Lord has done for you. Somebody said, I wish I could talk, I wish I could tell it like somebody else. Just tell what the Lord has done for you. Tell it in your own words. And God will use it. He'll use it. And His glory. Let's stand. Every head bowed, every eye closed. I'm going to ask Rhonda to go to the piano. Father, we pray that this practical message this morning of things we already know shall linger in our hearts and minds. Help us, Lord, to be faithful unto Thee. Speak to us in this service. We know You're looking down upon it even now. Help us to examine our hearts once again before Thee.